0: This is Rebecca, host of the podcast Music, Mayhem, and Mysteries, True Crime of Nashville, Tennessee, and Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Today, I will be sharing a heartbreaking story from the Shoals area. This is the story of Amanda Taylor. I really need to give a quick disclaimer. This case is extremely disturbing. Please understand that it is my goal to share Amanda's story. That being said, The end of her life was unlike anything I can even fathom, and some of the details are very, very gruesome. Before I get started, I want to point out that I am telling this story with the utmost respect for this family. I cannot imagine what they have been through. I will only be sharing facts, and if I mention any rumors, it will only be to correct the misinformation that may be out there. I will be helping shed light on some of the possible problems surrounding adult missing person cases and the fact that I do not think that justice was fully served in this case. Amanda was a mom, sister, and daughter. She had made some mistakes in life, like everyone, but she was on her way to getting her life back on track. Her father says that her main goal in life before she was murdered was to get to Arkansas to be with her three children. On October 17th, 2011, Amanda's close friend dropped her off at Ronald Weems' house. Weems was Amanda's ex-brother-in-law. It was planned that her friend was going to come back and get her in 1 hour. This was the last time anyone saw Amanda. When her friend arrived back at the house, she was not there. The residents at the house said that Weems and Amanda had an altercation and Amanda ran off. However, she had no phone no ID of any form, and no purse as her purse was left at her home. Amanda was officially reported missing by her sister on October 19th, 48 hours after she went missing. Since she was an adult, they reportedly had to wait 48 hours prior to reporting her missing. I will talk more about this later on and discuss some questions I have regarding the current adult missing persons protocols. As I tell you about this case, I will mention a few names. They may seem irrelevant at the time, but remember these names because they will come up again. On the day Amanda went missing, Amanda's ex-brother-in-law, Ronald Weems, filed a police report against Amanda. He told police that she had committed identity theft involving a stolen check and she assaulted him at his house and then ran off. He had abrasions on his arms, and he said that they were caused by Amanda attacking him. After she was reported missing, police found text messages that made it clear that Amanda and Weems were involved in a check scheme together. Text messages show that Amanda and Weems were discussing this matter prior to her arriving at Weems' home. A few weeks before she died, Weems had convinced Amanda to help him cash a check that he had stolen from his on-and-off-again girlfriend, Laurel Pruitt. Weems obtained fake IDs in Pruitt's name with Amanda's photo on them. The check was for $10,800 and was a government-issued check for around 16 years of back child support. Weems first asked one of his friends, Ashley Greenhill, to help him with the scheme, but she denied. He then went to Amanda and offered her $2,000 to help him. The plan started to unravel after they opened a bank account in Pruitt's name and then a debit card was mailed to her home. Now let's go back to those text messages between Weems and Amanda. They indicate that once Pruitt was suspicious of what was going on, they were trying to figure out how to get her to not press charges. In one message, Amanda tells Weems that she is, quote, Not going down by myself for this. Weems then tells Amanda that she needs to come to his house to discuss. After this, Amanda goes to Weems' home and is never seen alive again. Police started to investigate and searched Weems' home where he lived with his mother, children, and sometimes Laurel Pruitt. They used search dogs who were trained to detect human decomposition, and the dogs alerted to the car in the driveway a laundry basket, and the kitchen sink. Two months after Amanda went missing, the police located hair and teeth fragments off Nat Pond Road in Muscle Shoals. The hair seemed to match the color of Amanda's hair. And then canines found Amanda's body. An acquaintance of Weems and Pruitt came forward after the news media started to report Weems' possible involvement The acquaintance stated that Weems and Pruitt came to her house to use her burn pile to burn some papers and books. She did not see the items that were burned. The police investigated this, and it turned out to be human fingers and toes. DNA submitted by Amanda's family confirmed that the remains were indeed Amanda Taylor. According to police, when Amanda was dropped off at Weems' home, She was killed within 30 to 40 minutes. Weems strangled her with a nylon strap in the basement. He and Pruitt, his on-and-off-again girlfriend, then went to the police station to report that Amanda had assaulted him to establish some sort of alibi. He showed them the abrasions on his arms, saying this was proof that she assaulted him, when really this was Amanda fighting for her life. He did all of this while Amanda was lying dead in his basement. He then asked his friend Ashley Greenhill for help getting rid of the body. Ashley Greenhill called Matthew Fox a so-called fixer to help them get rid of the body. They then cut off her fingers and toes while she was still in the basement. They did this to attempt to conceal her identity. They then put her in Weems' car and took her to Knappon Road, took her into the brush, and used a hammer to knock out her teeth. This was also to try to conceal her identity. So, there are four people who were involved in this. Weems, Pruitt, the ex-girlfriend, Ashley Greenhill, a friend of Weems, and Matthew Fox, who was called by Greenhill to help get rid of Amanda's body. Ashley eventually helped lead the police to the body. Police say if it had not been for Ashley, Amanda's body may have never been found. She testified in court that she helped Weems because she did not want to believe he had killed her and that she was scared for her life. She testified that he said, quote, you will end up just like her. Ashley testified that on the day of October 17th, she was at Weems' house when Amanda arrived. Amanda smoked a cigarette with Weems on the porch and then they went down to the basement. Ashley said that about 30 to 40 minutes later, Weems came upstairs sweating, disheveled, and with a torn shirt. She also noted that he had red marks on his neck. She testified that he said, quote, That bitch choked me, and I'm going to file a police report. He also told her that Amanda ran off after attacking him. She said that later on, on that same day, he changed his story, and he asked her to help get rid of Amanda's body. She says she then called Matthew Fox who arrived with several tools. Ashley says that when they went to the basement, Amanda's body was wrapped in a blue tarp and covered by a rug. When the coverings were removed, Ashley says that Amanda's face was purple. She testifies that she saw a black mark on her neck where she had been strangled and that Weems told her that he strangled her with a nylon strap because she made too much noise when he used his hands. When Pruitt testified in court, She said that Weems also told her that he strangled Amanda with a nylon strap. He told her that at one point he let up some on the strap and then she gasped for breath so he then tightened the strap tighter to make sure she was dead. She also went with him to file the bogus police report even though she knew it was a lie. She admitted that she went with Weems the next day to the burn pile to burn the body, parts, and clothes. When they asked why she did not tell anybody about what happened, she stated that it was cowardness. Fox, who was the so-called fixer, testified that he cut off Amanda's bra and shirt because Weems wanted to burn them. He also says that he held Amanda's hand over a plastic ice cream bucket while Weems cut Amanda's fingers off with a kitchen knife, hacksaw, and hedge clippers. Fox says he knew how to get rid of a body because of one criminal justice class he had taken in the past. Weems admits that he killed Amanda, but claims self-defense. He says that Amanda tried to hit him with a 31-pound rock. However, as you can tell, he told so many people different things that obviously indicate that this was not self-defense. Prosecutors called eight different witnesses to testify that Amanda could not have lifted the chunk of concrete over her head and thrown it at Weems, due to the low ceilings in the small basement. In letters between he and Pruitt, Weems states that he never wanted Amanda to die and that he blacked out towards the end of the fight. He said when he left the basement, the rope was loose around Amanda's neck. He says that after months of praying, God told him that he did not kill Amanda and says that, quote, Ashley Greenhill, went down to the basement and finished Amanda off while we were at the police department. And he knew this because God told him. So Weems never took ownership of what he did to Amanda. I mean, this guy is a straight-up psychopath. He will not admit any wrongdoing, and now he's saying that God told him that he did not do it and that it was Ashley? It just blows my mind. Weems is now serving life in prison plus 10 years for abuse of a corpse. Pruitt, Fox, and Greenhill pleaded guilty to hindering prosecution and abuse of a corpse and were sentenced to 10 years in prison, but received the time they had already spent in prison as credit for time served. They have all since been released for these crimes. I find this very disturbing. I think that anyone who is willing to help cover this gruesome crime up should still be in prison, especially someone who is willing to help remove a person's fingers, toes, and then help them get rid of a body no questions asked. That, to me, deserves more than 10 years in prison. I do understand feeling threatened, but I don't think that's what happened in the case of Fox. Everyone makes mistakes, but to me, this is unforgivable. I also want to take a second to remember those who have been impacted by this tragic crime. Obviously, Amanda was taken way too soon, and she did not deserve what happened to her. Amanda's father says that he does not know why she agreed to help Weems for $2,000, but that she was on probation and also owed restitution. And he thinks that she did this because she was trying to get some money to pay off the restitution so she could get to Arkansas to be with her children. I would also like to talk about Amanda's children who had to deal with the loss of their mother and knowing that their uncle was the one who did this to her. Not to mention, Amanda's sister has two children with Weems. These children now have to live with the fact that their dad killed their aunt. Also, Amanda's sister now has to live with the fact that her ex husband killed her sister over something so selfish. I cannot imagine what this family has been through. My heart aches for them, and I hope that they can somehow find peace with Weems behind bars. Now, I would like to briefly discuss some of the things that media misconstrued in this case. I am doing this in order to set the record straight. In Fox's testimony, at least according to news media, he states something about the tools used to dismember Amanda's body were later used as props at Arx Mortis Haunted House. This is a popular haunted house in the area. His claims have been disputed by the haunted house, but according to them, a gardening tool was hidden by Fox on the property. It is unclear to me what role this tool played in the murder, but it was confiscated by police. To be clear, No tool used in this murder or used in the dismemberment of Amanda's body were used as props in the Arx Mortis haunted house. Weems' mother confirmed that he was a member of the Insane Clown Posse, or ICP. This is a group that listens to the music by the band The Insane Clown Posse. According to Amanda's family, she was not part of the ICP, and this had nothing to do with her murder. Many people and media outlets took this and ran with it and tried to imply Weems' taste in music somehow contributed to the murder. There was even some talk that this was a witchcraft killing. However, Amanda's family says that ICP had nothing to do with the murder, and so I will not even entertain this. Now, let's talk a little bit about adult missing person cases. The extended time frame needed to report a missing adult or the urgency of the police department to look into missing adult cases seems to be a reoccurring issue with many cases that I've heard on different podcasts. A quick Google search says that it is a myth that you must wait 24 hours to report a missing adult. However, it is very unclear to me if there is an overall protocol or if the protocols vary state to state or county to county, etc. It does seem to me from the research I've done that usually you are able to make an adult missing persons report immediately, but it is possible that limited resources may be put into the report if the person is not in a vulnerable population or if they think the adult may just be away on their own accord. So, it seems like it may differ from situation to situation and not be a set policy. When I reached out to Muscle Shoals Police, they say there is no time frame to report someone missing, but I am not sure if this was different in 2011. I pulled my Facebook for input, and some law enforcement members also agreed that there is no time frame to report a missing person. However, I did have some firsthand reports from people who have attempted to report a missing adult in other jurisdictions and were told they needed to wait 48 hours. Nashville police got back with me a little bit later and confirmed that at least in Nashville, adult missing persons are evaluated by a case-to-case basis. To me, granted I'm not in law enforcement, I would think that Amanda not having any identification, no phone, no purse, no nothing, would be a major red flag. But I guess they still made them wait 48 hours, which just doesn't make sense to me. Amanda's family have been advocates for eliminating any possibility for a 48-hour required wait to report a missing adult. They have also advocated for what they call the Amanda Alert for adult missing persons. This alert would be similar to the Amber Alert for children or the Silver Alert for the elderly. I know that police may argue that adults go missing all the time and they probably just left on their own accord. But there are also many circumstances where they are in danger and I think that 48 hours is too long to wait. This story was extremely hard for me to tell. I cannot believe how gruesome and heartbreaking this case is. I think it is so important to keep Amanda's memory alive and remember how many people loved her. Thank you for listening.